Uh, good morning, church. Good to see you. Good to be in the house of God, always amongst the people of God. And so we're going to... It's always a privilege to share the word of God. Amen. So we want to read and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Now, the scripture that we're going to look at this morning uh, no doubt is one of the greatest scriptures of the New Testament. There are many, obviously, right throughout the Bible, but when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to understanding God's work, we find a very wonderful portion of text that we're going to consider this morning. But the unfortunate thing is, and sadly, it's one of the most controversial for various reasons. And so, um, and it's uh, Ephesians, we're going to uh, focus on verses 8 and 9, but it's the, we're all familiar with it, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so you read that and you take it at face value and you say, praise the Lord. But yet this particular text has divided so many scholars over the course of years. And really it's sad because um, I, I believe, it, as, I will, as I'll demonstrate this morning, it's very self-explanatory. But because of a theological position, people feel the need uh, to defend. And so they have to insert some kind of uh, meaning or, uh, into the text to take away what I believe at face value and even as we study it, it reveals uh, the wonderful truth that it contains. But in saying that, the issue doesn't surround grace because grace we can all agree on as we'll see, but uh, the issue of faith is what the contentious part of this particular text that we'll examine uh, centres around. And so faith. In verse uh, 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Amen. <laughs> Yet, just that in itself uh, has been um, uh, debated for, for, for such a long time because uh, what, what role does faith play in our salvation? Uh, how does it originate? Where does it come from? How does it uh, apply to uh, and work with together with God's grace? There are so many facets that we want to consider in, throughout this text. And so the fear for some is that um, uh, if we put the emphasis on faith uh, and, so, and to the point where we, uh, faith is considered something that originates from man or something that uh, stems forth from man, then somehow it's considered as a work. And so when it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, well, grace comes from God and so the, uh, many will argue that so does faith. Faith comes from God. And in one sense this, it's correct, but in another sense it's completely wrong. And so for fear of contradicting uh, God's grace and somehow making it look like that uh, salvation is dependent on us because we have to exercise faith, they'll say, well, that faith is not dependent on man. It's actually something that is exclusive to God, just as grace is. So grace is exclusive to God. And so, and therefore, so is faith. And so, that's how some see this particular 
uh, text. So grace is a gift and so faith also is a gift and man has no role to, uh, to play. And so the fear is if man is responsible for faith, for trusting God, for believing God, then somehow that might affect or cancel out or corrupt God's grace and make salvation of works and something that then we can boast of, my faith, you know. That's the fear. But really, it's a misunderstanding, I believe, of this particular text that we're, we're going to look at. You see, grace, no doubt, is exclusive to God. We'll see that. We know that. But the issue of faith this morning, as much as it's rooted in God's grace, as we will see, faith must be exercised by man. It's something that we must demonstrate. It must be something that we show forth to God. And so, uh, uh, otherwise, uh, uh, we wouldn't find certain scriptures in the Bible that show us uh, and teach us certain things. For example, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I mean, just as you read that at face value, it seems to put some emphasis on men. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and Paul talks there about the word of faith that we preach. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We'll look at that again a little later. You read the Gospels and you find on many occasions the Scriptures, especially through Jesus himself, he'll, he'll... Minister, he'll perform a miracle, and how many times do you read the words that Jesus will say, Your faith has made you well? And so, if that's the case, then is the faith that they're manifesting and demonstrating, is it something that is, uh, uh, where does it come from? How, does it, how is it being exercised? Is man responsible for it? Or is it a faith that comes from God? You see, it's really not that complicated in my, in my opinion and I, and I want to kind of put that forth, I pray, in a simple t- way that we can understand it. But, you know, Jesus says uh, on two occasions, he even says, I have not seen such great faith. Why would he even say that? Why would he compliment? Or the scripture tells us that when he went to Nazareth, he was hindered from performing, performing many miracles. Why? Because he couldn't? No. What does the scripture say? Because of their unbelief. So the onus seems to be clearly being put upon man, doesn't it? As you read that. And so when we come to uh, this particular text in Ephesians where it says, by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Grace is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God. Is faith the gift of God? In one sense it it, it is and I'll, I'll demonstrate that. But at the same time, let's not confuse the issue. Faith is something that clearly must be manifested in the heart of every individual that God has created. There's a responsibility that we bear in relation to this and it must be understood. You see, grace through faith in our text, as we'll consider, has to be interpreted. 
So the problem for some is that, like I said before, they fear that they uh, will contradict their theology, so therefore they have to put faith as clearly the gift itself. Because so, if you say it's you know, my faith or somehow I've exercised faith, then you're putting works, it's, your, it's dependent on you and this is the, con, uh, the dilemma in which some find themselves. But that's not what the scripture teaches and I'm going to prove that. Uh, as, I, as I look at the Word of God this morning with you, because I'm convinced that uh, the issue of faith, uh, uh, grace and faith, does not contradict each other. In actual fact, they complement each other according to the Scriptures. Now, keep that in mind. They do not contradict, they complement. And I've read uh, over the years now, and I haven't. I mean, I'm speaking about it today, but I've not addressed it in any formal way. But I have, over the years, discussed it with brethren. I've heard, I've read so many different commentaries. I've heard people talk about it in so many ways when they refer to this particular scripture. And um, and I'm going to share with you this morning what I believe is the simple truth that surrounds this particular text. And in all of my readings and dealings with this particular text, one of the one, one of the individuals that I've learned to appreciate who has written on this topic himself is um, Charles Spurgeon in his book, All of Grace. And it is, all of grace. But in the manner in which he talks about faith, I believe he has struck the balance of which the scripture is talking about, as have others. But um, what I will say to us is that as we proceed, that God... Amen. Never believes for any man. Okay? The issue of... It all, is it all of grace? Absolutely. But there is an issue of faith and we are responsible before God to believe and God believes for no man. Amen. So let's read our text. And I'm actually going to read from verse 1 through to verse 9 just for context. It will bring some context. Let's read verse 1, chapter 2. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, Paul is clear about the gospel of salvation. It's not something that originates with men. 
This is something that Paul talks about and he makes it quite clear in this particular text when he talks about God's love, he talks about God's mercy and he talks us about the riches of his grace in which he says um, that the grace of God would be made, uh, for, uh, in verse 5, for by grace you have been saved. And in verse 7, again, the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness. And so the emphasis is clearly grace. Grace that comes from God. Grace that God has extended to us because none of us, the Bible says in verse 1 and 2, that we were dead in trespasses and sins. Without God, amen, there is no hope for none of us. We would never have found God, amen, because God's not lost, we were lost. And God has to find us, amen. And he does so as an act of grace. And this is what Paul is highlighting, that God's grace has been extended, his love and his mercy uh, has been extended to us and we have received the blessings of that which comes to us uh, through salvation. But he says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved, through faith and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? The gift of God that Paul is talking about here is, is first and foremost, he's, he's talking about our salvation. Our salvation in this particular, in my, the way I understand this, he's talking about our salvation that is rooted and grounded and comes forth and flows from the grace of God. So grace, being, salvation being the gift, it, it, it equals that grace is the gift because none of us would have salvation outside of the grace of God. We are, so, so this is what Paul is talking about. And grace, as we know it in Scripture, fundamentally tells us and speaks of the unmerited favour of God. Unmerited because none of us deserve God's grace. We are, we are sinners. Amen. We were, we were children of wrath, the Bible says. We were under condemnation. We are headed for hell. And without God's divine intervention, amen, which is the act of His grace, His unmerited favour, He has uh, uh, intervened and He has done so by extending His grace and that grace is in the form of Christ Jesus Himself, God becoming a man, the incarnation. We see God, we see Jesus Christ who is filled with grace and truth. And that grace was so made manifest to humanity in its ultimate act where Jesus hung upon Calvary and which he gave his life as a sacrifice. And so when we talk about grace and we talk about unmerited favour, we are seeing God's grace on display in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified at Calvary. And he is the author of salvation. He is, uh, amen, the grace of God, full of grace and truth. And we see it throughout the... We read the Gospels and we see God's grace constantly ministering and we see his grace ultimately culminate in the cross of Calvary. And when we observe that, we see the God of all grace who saved us, wretched sinners who deserve nothing but judgment and condemnation. 
and yet he has saved us and Paul says he has raised us up and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, the blessings of salvation. It's not just being saved from hell, amen. You receive an inheritance and we are blessed beyond measure and it's all grace. All grace. You see, how does the grace of God operate in the salvation of a soul this morning? You see, the scripture says we are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so we have the grace of God. God is the initiator of salvation. Can you say amen? You see it. You know, with the issue of grace through faith, it is always grace that comes first. It must be. It has to be. And in this case, we see it. We can look at it through Jesus Christ himself. You see, it wasn't until grace became manifested in, in the form of Jesus Christ who was filled with grace and truth. It wasn't until that moment in time that people could actually begin to exercise faith in him. True? It wasn't until he made, was made manifest that men began to believe and men began to trust him and call upon him and they were able to receive of him. And so always grace is the initiator. Always grace comes first. I point that out because this is the principle behind salvation because what does Jesus tell us? In John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus says, Nobody comes to the Father unless the Father draws them. You see, it is the grace of God initiating himself towards us. No one comes to God. You know what? I was a sinner, dead in sin. I was not looking for God. I was bound in sin. And I tell you, one day the light went on and I you know, say, well, I saw the light. Well, the light had to shine first. And the light of the gospel began to shine in my heart. The grace of God in my depravity became to me. And this is how the scriptures, this is what Jesus is saying. Nobody comes to God unless God draws them, unless the Spirit of God draws them. This is the action of God's grace at work. We have in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So we're seeing this God's grace. It's all grace because it's not something that originates from men. It's not something that comes forth from men. This is an initiative that is of God. And no one comes to God unless God draws them and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit or in other words, the grace of God that is already operating and at work in their lives. It's all a response to grace. It's all grace that is, uh, that is coming to us in our lives. And this is how we must understand the work of grace in the salvation of a soul. You see, grace this morning is exclusive to God. 
it originates with God, it is born of God, it comes to us through God, through His Spirit, and we are beneficiaries and recipients of this wonderful grace this morning. Praise the Lord. But then, the Bible says, you are saved by grace through faith. How do we understand faith? You see, if, if grace is the gift of God and salvation is the gift of God, is faith here the gift of God? In one sense, it, it is because it, uh, that faith is enabled by God's grace, as we'll see. But I want to prove to you in another area in which Paul addresses this uh, that clearly faith is something that comes forth from us. So turn with me to Romans chapter 3. It's a familiar portion of scripture, but it brings clarity to what we want to establish. So in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, we'll start reading from there. Now listen to what the scripture says. It says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace. Freely justified, declared righteous uh, by His grace. That's what it is. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, as we've established, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he, God, might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now clearly Paul here is bringing a distinction between grace and faith. In the same manner he is in Ephesians and in actual fact it is exactly the same thought that he's expounding. He's not contradicting himself in Romans in what he's writing in Ephesians. He's following exactly the same thought pattern and he's expounding it for us here because when he says in Ephesians you have been saved by grace through faith not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of yourself. Uh, it says not of works lest anyone should boast. So what is that works? I want to say to you, faith is not a work. Listen to what I'm saying. And Romans establishes this. Faith is not the work. When we talk about not by works, we're talking about by the deeds of the law. No flesh shall be justified. You can't earn your salvation by being self-righteous or being good or, or by following, observing A, B and C or whatever the case may be. There's nothing we can do to contribute to justify ourselves before God. God is the one who has made propitiation for our sins. Christ, we are freely justified by grace. All God requires of us to access that He's, he's, he's the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now look at the next verse. Verse 27. Where is boasting then? Who can boast? 
that they can save themselves, that they have contributed somehow to their own salvation. Look at what he says. It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Now Paul is saying this about faith. Now we are justified freely by his grace, but it's through faith. In other words, when he talks about here in verse 27, he says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what works? By what law? Of works? No. You see, what he's saying here is that nobody can boast of, of contributing to their salvation through any works whatsoever. Why? Why? By the law of faith. See, faith actually cancels out boasting. That's what Paul's saying. Faith gives you no ground to boast because there's nothing you can do to contribute. You just have to believe and accept and trust in what God has already done. So you can't boast. So when we talk about, when we look at Ephesians 2 and Paul says um, uh, that we are saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone would boast, we are not boasting about our faith. Faith is not a work. Paul says, in actual fact, faith actually counters works so that you cannot boast. That's what he's saying in Romans. No one can claim to have worked for their own salvation. It's impossible because the law of faith cancels that. It doesn't doesn't allow us to qualify for it because all we have to do is believe. It's all been done. You see, (coughs) boasting has been cancelled because of the law of faith. The law of faith does not enable us to boast about our salvation, church. To quite the contrary. And faith is not works. Paul never saw it as works when he wrote it in Ephesians 2 and he clearly didn't see it as works when he wrote about it in Romans chapter 3 because he saw faith as something separate. He saw it as something that was complementary, not contradictory to faith, but complementing to... uh, Sorry, not not, not contradicting grace in that sense, but rather he saw faith as complementing the work of salvation. That's why he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So that kind of brings us to the next question because we know that, as we see, salvation is all of grace. But the question is then, so how does faith apply? When the scripture says by grace through faith, how are we to interpret this? How are we supposed to understand it? Well, that's what I want to look at with you because uh, let me say this this morning. Faith is the work of God's grace in us. Listen to that. Faith is the, is the work of God's grace in us. Or in other words, faith is the result of grace. I'm going to uh, um, 
uh, read from uh, one commentator, which I generally wouldn't do, but I think he captures it well, and, uh, and others do as well. But I want to read to you this particular brother, uh, Adam Clark, actually, his name is. But he says this, he says, But it may be asked, Is not faith the gift of God? Yes, he says, as to the grace by which it is produced. But the grace or power to believe and the act of believing are two different things. Without the grace or power to believe, no man ever did or can believe. But with the power, but with that power, the act of faith is a man's own. God never believes for any man, no more than he repents for him. The penitent, through his grace enabling him, believes for himself. Or in other words, uh, what they're saying is exactly what Paul is putting forth in the text, for by grace you have been saved through faith. We're not saved, and it's not, a, it's not of ourselves, we can't boast in anything. All we're doing is putting faith in God and that faith is a result of his grace. I could never have exercised faith unless God had revealed himself to me. You could never have put faith in God unless he first gave grace to you. True? But nevertheless, that faith that came forth from you was from, was, came forth from you. You had to demonstrate that faith. You, the responsibility is upon us to exercise that faith. God's not going to believe for us. He's not going to have faith for us. There is a responsibility that we have before God and this is what we mustn't get confused about as we consider the scriptures themselves. Grace gives us the power to believe. Grace is, uh, uh, um, uh, is the, the source of our faith. It's not like, you know, it's my faith. Well, where did that faith come from? From his grace. And so, but still, how do we see faith working in the heart? Because the scripture says through faith. Through faith, because faith is essential to salvation. Can you say amen? Faith is essential to salvation. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. God is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. It's as simple as that. Faith has to be manifest in the transaction of salvation in order for us to receive all of God's grace and be beneficiaries of all that is ours in Christ Jesus. You see, the power of faith this morning is not in faith. That's the problem with a lot of the uh, faith movements, word of faith movements that have been around in many years. The power of faith is not in faith. The power of faith is in, whom, is in him on whom faith rests, and that is God. Our faith is in God. Our faith is not in faith. Somehow that that is in and of itself the power. Somehow, no, it is in him, praise the Lord. See, faith is simply a conduit, 
Or in other words, uh, uh, here's God's grace as a a conduit, for example. Picture water, uh, a water flowing and uh, a stream and then all of a sudden we can uh, set up a a conduit or a pipe as such and we can uh, draw and that water can flow. And that's what faith is. It's just a conduit in which we receive all of whom God is and all that he has and all that he has done. But faith is a conduit, but there's no power in faith as such. The power is all in God. You know, when Jesus looked at, uh, he, he said, uh, when, he looked, when he healed the lame and the blind, and he said, your faith has made you well, the, faith, the, the, faith, the power wasn't in their faith. Their power was in Christ, amen, who had all the power, and he was the one that healed them. He was the one that made the blind to see and the lame to walk. They had no power in and of themselves. And they said, I've got faith, I've got faith. Well, great. What does that mean? You see, our faith is in Christ Jesus. It's in Him. And when we uh, exercise and put our faith in Him, amen, then we are recipients and the grace of God flows to us in, 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 uh, into our hearts freely. Amen, as the scripture says. <coughs> How do we demonstrate this faith? We can consider it further. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Let's look at it, Romans 10. Another conduit, so to speak, you know, so to speak, <laughs> is the mouth. Saying that, <laughs> so to speak. That was anyway. I thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go. Romans ten verse four. But Paul is making a point about the issue of faith again, and he's telling us how faith is that conduit, the word of faith that we that, that is preached, and how is it made manifest. With the heart one believes and with the mouth confession is made. But let's look. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses wrote about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness... There's that word again, believes. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So what's the conduit? The mouth. The mouth, why? Because when we speak and we demonstrate and show forth our faith through that which we speak, that's why with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And uh, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation because there is a connection. That's why Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And so the mouth is reflective of that which is in the heart. And so in this instance we're talking about faith. 
For the scripture says in verse 11, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. God's, the grace of God, amen, has draw, uh, uh, Jesus said, uh, uh, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so we have this uh, issue of his grace that is drawing men, but at the same time men must now believe on the Lord and call upon him to be saved. And so the, the, the mouth is a conduit to faith. So don't, now, this can get taken out of context and, mis, and, and completely. I'm just talking about it in principle. I've heard people might say, I believe, I believe, I believe, but you know what? In the heart, they're not settled, they're not established because it's first in the, an issue of the heart before it is anything to do with the mouth. But faith must be understood in its simplicity this morning and so I just want to close with some final thoughts about faith so that we can, I pray, just see it and understand it in its simplicity because faith is not some you know, high and mighty complex thing that we have to grasp. Faith, by, by definition and in the word of God, is something that is to be understood in its simplicity. Because faith is really, really simple. It levels us all out, amen? As I believe. <laughs> it doesn't matter how smart, how dumb, how intelligent, unintelligent, whatever the case may be, amen? Those things, none of those things save. It is faith. And faith is the great leveler in the gospel and we are called to believe. And faith is... How, so what is faith? And faith is this. It is the heart's simple trust in the person of Jesus Christ. When you understand it, all that it is, when you bring it down to a common denominator, a simple statement and an understanding, it is the heart's trust in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we have faith in him, in God, in all that he is and all that he, the, the scripture confirms to us that he is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the confidence or evidence of things not seen. That's how we establish a good testimony because we believe God. Abraham had faith. He believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Without faith it's impossible to please him as the scripture says. But there's three basic principles of faith that I want to leave us with. They are... And they're, in, and they're sequential. It comes to knowledge, belief and trust. You see, in, you, you have, that's why the scripture says in Romans chapter 10 and we've just been reading it. But if you look further at verse 14 where we stop at verse 13, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? You see, the issue of knowledge is important in forming a foundation for faith. It has to be a knowledge of God. And, you know, it doesn't matter how simple uh, it is, but we have to understand who Jesus is, what he has done, what the cross means. And uh, in its simplicity, when we understand that and we believe on him, amen, that, there it is. Salvation. God's grace extended to us. 
but people must be informed of the gospel. That's why it says in the, in the same verse, how shall they hear without a preacher? They ha- they ha- people have to hear. People have to uh, be informed. That's the method that God has chosen. God has chosen that this great message, this gospel of grace as we know it, to, would be preached. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. And so this is it. And so it's the message preached. It's the message declared. It's people being informed of Christ, his sacrifice and all that the gospel pertains. And so when we give them that understanding in its most simplest form, it doesn't have to be complex and complicated, amen, then that forms the basis for them to have and demonstrate biblical faith or saving faith as they call it. But you see, there's the issue of knowledge and then there's the issue of believe. You see, believe means literally to have faith. That's why we're looking at it. And really, this word believe is so much more than just a mental affirmation. You know, I believe in God. You know what, there's many people in the world that will say, I believe in God. But (laughs) that doesn't mean that they're saved. Okay? Because if, 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 that, if, that, if it just worked out that way, then, then it would contradict the things that we understand in Scripture because you have to believe. Uh, uh, those that worship God must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And in actual fact, James, in, in talking about the issue of faith, uh, in its context in the book of James, will go as far to say that even the demons have uh, believe. Even the demons believe and tremble. But they're not saved. And so it's not just enough to make a mental affirmation, oh yeah, I believe, I believe. No, no, no. Faith comes to much more than that uh, in the life of, of a believer and is made manifest and is validated by works. Oh, what works? Well, they can, be, they can vary, but in this instance, Sam touched upon it before when he spoke about faith and he said issue of obedience. The obedience must come forth from faith. It's not a work that justifies us before God. It's faith alone that justifies. But faith that justifies is never alone. That's what what they say. And so, uh, in other words, uh, if someone says, I believe, uh, then they must show evidence. They must bear the fruit of repentance in their life. There must be something that is manifest that validates that. And I have seen and come across this many a times and, I, and, I, and I've agonised over it because I've had to encounter people and counsel people and, deal and speak to people and, and even recently uh, in a situation and yet and, uh, I have to conclude that there, there is no evidence of the person being saved. There is no genuine faith. They can talk about Jesus all that they want. They can pro- quote the scriptures that they want but they do not know him because if they knew him they would depart from iniquity they would surrender to him completely and they would repent so that's why the scripture says repentance and faith they are separate and they are distinctly different but they are interconnected but that doesn't mean don't misinterpret me by saying that um, obedience is the basis of salvation that's not what I'm saying. It, 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 has, it has its place, but it's only faith that justifies faith. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
the thief on the cross, uh, he didn't even get baptised. All he did uh, in that moment of time is he just said, Lord, remember me. He believed and he was justified and then he was in, heaven, uh, he was in paradise with Jesus. It's faith alone that justifies. But again, the point being, if we're going to profess to believe, then let us show forth the fruit of our faith in God. And so, this leads us to the last aspect of faith or principles of faith that I want to consider. It's the word trust. In actual fact, the, the Greek word uh, that deals with faith, it carries a few thoughts like being persuaded and having a conviction and an assurance in your heart, like a confidence. But it's really rooted in the, the word and its root meaning comes from simply trust. Trust God. Put your trust in God. One man said, Faith is believing that Christ is is what he is said to be and that he will do what he has promised to do and then to expect this of him. It's just trusting him. And so it's just looking at everything that Christ is, everything that he has said and just trusting what God's word says. I've counselled people for over the years now as in ministry and, I, and I've agonised over this because you try and I can't impart faith. I know that much. I can pray and, and Lord help and minister, give the person grace and help them to come to a place. But I've noticed many a times that this issue of trust is, is, is an individual. It's, it's a personal thing. You have to put your trust in Jesus. You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have to trust him. And you know what? If God's word says it, then I believe it. I don't, it doesn't matter what we reason in our mind. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter the thoughts that float around. If it exalts itself against the knowledge of God, then what does the scripture say? Bring it into captivity. And just accept what God says. Trust that what if God says about you is just simply receive it. And I tell you, that issue of faith brings peace, it brings joy, it brings wholeness and brings healing. Faith is simple trust in God. God will never let us down. Look at verse 11 of Romans 10. It says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. God will never let us down. You can, what's the, the you can, Take your money to the bank. I don't know what's that phrase. But you can be so sure and you can be so confident that you can actually speak it. How's that? And speak it with an assurance, with a conviction, with a confidence because God has declared it. And if I'm trusting in him, amen. He will never put me to shame. Our boast... It's not in our faith this morning, it is in his grace. And as the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved, it's all grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
We will only boast in him. Amen. Our boast is in Christ. Our boast is in everything that we have received from him. Amen. And through, our, through faith, we have access. Through faith, that conduit, we have received of his fullness. We have received the blessings that flow. Now, I understand in the Christian life, I mean, we've been talking in the context of salvation here, but even in the context of the Christian life, we waver, as our brother said. We'd all like to say, you know, I'm strong and I'm full of faith, but there are times when we waver, we struggle, like Abraham, in his journey, we go through the similar patterns and, and experiences. But God is building, is, 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 he's patient and he's loving and he, he perseveres and endures with us and amen, he causes our, great, our faith to grow. And so through our experiences as a Christian, our, our faith is to grow, our faith is to get stronger in the Lord. You see, you know, it all starts off, Jesus said, you just need faith as a mustard seed. You know, that, 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 it, your faith may be weak. It, the issue fundamentally and primarily is this, is it genuine? It's the, it's the, it might be the size of a mustard seed, but it's genuine, it's the real deal. It's only a seed. But that seed will grow. And in the Christian life, we go, we go from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. See, faith is not just a principle of the uh, salvation. Faith is a principle of the Christian life. Grace is not just a principle of salvation. Grace is a, is a principle of the Christian life and the two work hand in hand right throughout our journey as we serve the Lord. And, the, uh, and so I pray that God would minister to each of us this morning. So let's conclude in a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the word of God this morning. We thank you for your grace that has come to us through Christ Jesus. Lord, we have been freely justified. God, our, boasting is excluded. It's all grace. We've got nothing, Lord, that we can add. All you require for us is just to believe to believe, to just trust what you have already done. And even that, Lord, is an extension of your grace towards us. But it's not a replacement of, of that. Lord, we must exercise faith. We must trust you. We must. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And faith will lead us, Lord, to draw near to you. Faith will cause us to obey. Faith will cause us, Lord, to, to seek your, you in your word. And so I pray, Lord, increase our faith this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.